This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's O Ship. Some of you may have been spending a lot less time on social media, or even frankly, deleting some of your social accounts altogether. But one digital behavior has definitely increased very consistently over the last couple of years, and that's the use of dedicated messenger apps, or frankly, integrated messaging functions in other apps. In fact, that's increased so consistently that many of us are feeling pretty overwhelmed by the sheer volume of places we even have to check to communicate with our friends or colleagues. And so there's no doubt that the future of messaging is bright, even if frankly, with the sheer volume of options, it feels a little crowded and a bit murky. But today we're joined by serial entrepreneur, Danny Mizrahi, who I think is going to have a very interesting point of view on this for you. In the past, Danny's founded companies like Contango IT, which is an IT services firm that was actually recognized as one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies in America. He's also the co-founder of GRC Americas, a rapidly growing cybersecurity for company. But his most recent venture is called Sunbird. And that's a messenger app catching a lot of buzz for its ability to bring iMessage to Android and along with a host of other actually integrated messaging apps. So in my opinion, I think he's the perfect person to not only discuss what it's like to be an entrepreneur and a leader in a growing company, but also what he believes is the future, the messaging landscape, which is something that all of us and certainly me are very interested in. So with that, here we go with another week of OSHIP. Danny, welcome to ship. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am in a great mood today. I've been really looking forward to geeking out on this subject with you. I was, you know, in anticipation of reaching or you know, interviewing today. I mean, obviously digging into your background and spending more time obsessing on Sunbird. I saw some great buzz even earlier today. You've been trending news on phone arena with the project coming out. So that's a really great place to be. If you're not a phone geek, this is like one of the sites that if you're in the phone biz, these are one of the places you're always reading and learning about all the new stuff coming out. So I've been reading it for years. So congrats on that. Very, very oh, cool. Yeah. Today, I want to get into a lot of different parts of your background. Sometimes when I interview folks, I start at the very beginning of their career. Sometimes I start with the most recent stuff. I'd like to actually just start to make sure that we kind of ground the conversation in something that everyone's going to understand. And just, could you tell us a little bit more about Sunbird and frankly, what even inspired you to create this messaging app in this day and age? So what is Sunbird, right? So Sunbird is actually a pretty special invention. And one of the best ways to describe it, I'm a little older. So, you know, if you remember Outlook, I used to call it Lookout because, you know, I like Gmail <laughs> better. You know, you could attach your Yahoo and your AOL, you know, again, dating myself, you could attach all those email addresses inside of it. And Sunbird is pretty similar for Android, right? It's about attaching all of these different messaging apps inside of Sunbird. So you have one place where you can see all of your messages, iMessage, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Telegram, LinkedIn messages, Slack channels, Teams, Spaces, Line in Japan. So we're adding all of these right now. We have iMessage and WhatsApp and about to be Facebook also. 
But the low-hanging fruit was definitely iMessage because of, you know, how many people want that on Android, right? We're really solving this communication issue between Androids and iPhones. Androids right now, there's no encryption between them. There's no high-resolution videos. There's no reactions going back and forth, et cetera. I'm a Pixel user. So if you're a Pixel user in the U.S. where the iPhone is still very dominant, it's like you feel like they're a little bit the odd guy out. Now that one particular one drives me crazy is trying to share videos with people. They're like, why does it look like you recorded it on a Motorola Razor from 2007? You're like, yeah, like I'm going to fork a camera on this thing. But they degrade it between the two platforms. It's super annoying. It's and then the other thing yeah. I think you're addressing so well is I don't know about how you do it, but I'm guessing a lot of us out there are OCD on like organizing our phone into little folders and apps and drawers and stuff. And so like, you know, the old days were simple. You had a button, there was a phone, you had the camera icon down there. You maybe had the messenger icon. I have a folder now and I click on it and right. like one. 10 messenger apps right. are there. So right. like jump between signal and telegram and learn and it's just insane. And it, it's crazy. And yeah. honestly, I can't keep up. It's too sad. No, and also black is like a nonstop yes. fire on those loud, you know? Right, right. So I, you know, we had an investor say that they, um, got involved because they missed a, a message from someone in need on Facebook and it was an emotional situation and they never saw the message. And you have the random people reaching out on Facebook Messenger and then Telegram is for maybe like crypto conversations and certainly it's huge in Eastern Europe. And then also, you know, people are flocking to Signal right now because of security, privacy and confidentiality, which is my background. Was that a sunbird joke? I can't tell. Flocking? No, yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, no, no. I, okay, I, just I, checking. I wasn't sure how petty you but, but It's trust a great me, company name, by the way. Hey, yeah, thank you. We love it. Yeah. And what you were saying earlier, birds of a feather and fly, you know, you know, I got a whole bunch of bird because we can wear that. You can and actually this those is a safe place. Oh, shit. Values, we, can, right? we can drop every one of those today. I'm, I'm in. Maybe later. Maybe if this was a 530 uh, meeting. No, but. This came about because of the issue you were talking about. I have three small children and when my parents are sending me videos of when they're babysitting, I'd have to call my dad. Hey, can you go into WhatsApp? Can you attach that video every time? I don't want to do that, yeah. right? It doesn't Not make easy. any sense. No, it's a pain. And I break the group chats all the time. People are mad that it says light and emphasized questioning. Like you see all these different messages and then you know i don't know if you've ever, your friends have ever done this to you where they do liked questioned laughed at all in one right <laughs> just to mess with the green bubble and frankly this is a big issue so the article in phone arena right now the title is about stopping bullying right there was a huge article on the wall street journal about green bubble shaming so there's a lot of reasons why we created this certainly you know we want the world to have one messaging app one ability to communicate with each other in one place where people aren't discriminating each other. I mean, I can't drop names, but there's a very, very famous person in the Android world that said that they have, you know, twin 13 year old daughters and that person had to get their kids iPhones and because of being bullied, right, you know, 13 year old girls, you know, boys and, you know, all the Gen Z basically won't even yeah. buy Androids right now. And this is a huge reason why, and we're happy to solve that problem. And so much more, yeah. we have so much more going on with Sunbird. Maintaining an encrypted state and never storing data is a huge part of this. And that's what I was alluding to earlier with why people are going to sit.
perfect segue because I was going to ask you, how did a guy whose whole background from like tells in like cybersecurity and IT services, how did you end up basically building a, it is a consumer app at the end of yeah. the day. It's a pretty big jump as an entrepreneur. How'd you make that journey? Just personally, I'm intrigued. Well, it's not all me. I have an inventor who has been in messaging for 10 years, six patents awarded in messaging. Awesome. A good friend of mine raising kids on the Upper East sure. Side. We're both in Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a peer group of entrepreneurs worldwide who are obsessed with growing personally and professionally, right? It was really my discussions with him, you know, and the realization that not only can we solve this pain point for Android users, but at the same time, we could do it in a way that's going to make it so that, you know, it's secure, private, encrypted. So I have 10 years in cybersecurity, compliance, privacy, et cetera. And then Garen has 20 years in FinTech. And when we were building this, really him and his team were building this. I'm, you know, I like to say I'm not the brains behind the operation. I'm just the mouth. These are geniuses yeah. beyond geniuses. They're creating something that everyone said was impossible to create. Yeah. And that's really impressive. But when we were creating it, one of the biggest challenges was the never storing data part, right? So all of that constantly being passed through and never storing it at it, never leaving an encrypted state, not being opened and repackaged or anything like that. These are huge technological feats you know, we had an investor call it a Tony Stark company. It was impossible until it's not, right? So if you could buy a thing that goes to your heart and gives you superpowers, would you? And yeah, I'd be told, yeah, but it's free. So, you know, we're not worried about that. But the wait list is proof in itself that this thing, there's massive. I don't want to put you energy. on the spot, but you talked about kind of, we saw a massive pent up demand. Could you give me a sense of how big you think the demand for something like this could be? Well, yesterday, 2,500, I'm looking at the live waitlist, 2,543 people signed up for the waitlist yesterday, bringing the total Just to yesterday. Yesterday. Bringing yesterday. the total to 94, right now the live total, if I refresh, 94,711 people are on the waitlist. If you go to sunbirdapp.com, yeah, join the waitlist. <laughs> and here's two other incredible numbers. The conversion rate on the website is 35.8%. That would, that and means, and I do a lot of e-commerce work and digital yeah. marketing work and like, right. it's crazy. So right. amazing. Yeah. And what that means is, is that we don't want it to be a hundred percent because then it's BS, right? And then people are going and they're like, yeah, I guess I'll sign up for this. It's a free gift card. Who knows, right? <laughs> where people are going to the website and 35.8% of them are reading what we have to offer and saying, yeah, I absolutely want that. Let me join the wait list. Right. And then on top of that, we have a 24.6% virality rate. So every single four people that sign up, one is referring a friend. That's amazing. So did, between the conversion rate, the virality and the massive pent up demand, we want to get this out there faster, right? That's the only thing right now. So on that note, you know, I know you, as you said, you've talked about kind of the geniuses putting this all together. Can you talk a little bit about, and this is the kind of only dev related question I want to ask you, but yeah. Can you share any stories about kind of the development process, including any maybe challenges that your team faced and how they kind of overcame them? Because this, to your point, this was supposed to be an impossible task on yes. some level. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing was actually creating. The second thing was getting the cost down per user, right? You're not a scalable yeah. business if it's $10 to get someone set up, right? Especially if it's a free app, which we want to keep it free for the foreseeable future. But now that we created it, iMessage is working great. 
We opened up the wait list. We didn't think we were going to get 37,000 on the wait list from one PR event. That was just not surprised by it, but like, whoa, that's a lot. So what we did was we funneled them into our Discord. So as of right now in Discord, I think it's something crazy. So 11,106 people on our Discord, 16 of them are online. You win the award of the most precise airship guest of all time. I don't think I've ever had. You're like 24.6%. I was like, all right, cool. Get well, on. my wife has her master's in epidemiology and biostatistics. So when I told her 52% of Android users want, this is a real quote. When I told her 52% of Android users want iMessage on Android and another 19% want it, depending on the features, she was like, that's not a real stat. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you don't round stats, right? The actual is 52.62% of Android users want iMessage for Android and another 19.4% want it depending on the features. And that's from Android. I love that she set you straight. Yeah. So now when you ask me for numbers, I'm like, oh man, I'm not going to be wrong. Yeah. You're like, you don't muck around. If you quote any kind of fluffy numbers on a phone call, you could hear a yell from another room. 0.27%. Keep it real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, look, the Discord community has been incredible. Never mind that I love the meme contests because to me, that's just making me laugh all night. Honestly, I, and I told them this, this Discord community is amazing. I remember it was like a Friday after work and I was dead. We're working so hard. And then I get to go in and see all these memes that they're making about blue bubbles and green bubbles and alpha and beta and all these things. And I just get to laugh so much from it. And I really do appreciate it. But what I really appreciate is their desire to help us with bug fixing you know, right now we have about a 93% success rate with people opening up Sunbird, connecting iMessage. It's just working. That's great. But we're, we're building an infrastructure to do 1 million people per day. 1 million people per day when we launch are going to sign up for Sunbird. And we need to be ready for that, right? That's so you can't good. get ready for that unless you do it incrementally. So to your question before, right now we're giving the app to 200 people at a time. Soon it'll be 500 people at a time and you know, and so on and so forth. We have about 3000 alpha testers right now using the app and we're learning about all these edge cases. There's just some really interesting things we're learning about different setups on Androids, different, you know, types of Apple IDs, I guess, when they connect it and it's super, super helpful. And now WhatsApp is coming along. Facebook is next. So we need all these edge cases. We're super appreciative. Uh, One of the things I think is so neat about what you're describing, and I've been doing product development and software development almost my entire career, not very well at some of the early stages, I like to leave a lot better now, but you'd get these alpha test groups. There wasn't a community. It was like people that helped you with stuff. Maybe you were connected via email or something like that. And now you're basically seeing these communities form up in Discord. And like I said, yeah, they're doing serious testing, but they're also screwing around and having fun. And there's some cases almost like party-like atmosphere in some of these ones. Another friend of mine got a successful NFT project called Lumens. And his basically uh, Discord is always super interesting to kind of monitor and watch. But I'd be interested to find out how are you guys using like the feedback or how do you feel like this community is shaping the future of the product. Yeah, you're seeing the edge cases, yeah. but are you able to kind of tap into it in any other ways to try and help shape what the future of the product might look like? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, you know, there's a whole channel about feature requests. That's been great. And some of them, I don't even want to say out loud because some of them are so smart that <laughs> they're, they're going to be part of our build out in the future. 
we are planning on having subscription models to Sunbird in the future if we need to. We have so many different revenue models that we could implement, but the core is we want it to be free. The original goal was 10 million users this year. That was the original goal. Based on some of the conversations we've had with some people, you know, we think we can up that goal tremendously. Gen Z won't buy Androids right now. So if we can get Sunbird on Androids, you know, in general, then that turns it from 10 million, the goal becomes about 100 million, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's ways that we could get that done. And we do want to keep working on those ways. And alpha testers in the Discord community, it's not all rainbows and, you know, there's a lot of doubters. There's a lot of people claiming we're reading messages or something. There's some not so nice people in general, and I put some of those on the wall. You know, major doubters, I like printing some of those out and putting them there. It drives us and we love it. Yeah. But there's a healthy amount of paranoia out there these days. And they should be. And there yeah. should. And, and by the way, I think consumers, yeah, to your point, we've given them, when I say we, I'm talking about the technology industry. So we've given people a lot of reasons to be paranoid in terms of how we might screw things around a little bit. I actually want to go back to some of that data sensitivity in a second. Sure. You mentioned multiple times that how the app is free and the intention is free. There's also a lot of free messaging apps out there. I'm not going to ask you specifically about Sunbird because I don't want to put you on the spot with it, but could you talk to me about how free messaging apps, like how do they actually make money? How, what is the monetization model for some of these folks that are out there? Well, sometimes it depends on your goals, right? Mm -hmm. We're right now, we're looking to increase shareholder value mm -hmm. and get everyone that's involved, you know, that's invested into Sunbird, growing the team. There's other comps out there. Look, WhatsApp sold to Facebook for $16 billion, yeah. you know, without having a revenue strategy or a model, <laughs> right? You know, so getting, be okay, then. <laughs> my mouth to God's ears, you know, if we can do a fraction of that, we would love it, right? Yeah. But I mean, we do have, we have some really, really big aspirations. We do, we know we can be that big, yeah. but it takes a lot of hard work and we're yeah. willing to put in the work, right? But there's other monetization models. I can't really get into too many of them, but I will yeah. say like, you know, 99 cents a month for premium features, $2.99 a month to unlock six more apps. Yeah. Right. You know, cause if we're going to do iMessage, WhatsApp, Facebook, or some kind of common SMS, RCS, if we're going to do some kind of combination of that for free, we can unlock the rest of those in a premium. Yeah. So we have revenue models, mm. you know, right now we're just not really that focused on that. Um, mm -hmm. we have the models. It's just that right now it's about user acquisition and our mm -hmm. user acquisition is phenomenal. I mean, we're talking 60 cents on meta. You know, 60 cents right now on Meta, $1.40 on TikTok. These are incredible numbers. Mm. And why? It goes back to what we were talking about, massive pent-up demand. Mm. Massive pent-up demand to this. We just, we're working so hard to get it out there quicker. We're going to talk a little bit about data security. And then I'd like to focus a little bit more on you as a leader. And then we're going to wrap this chat up by talking a little bit about the future of the space. So just... Thinking for a moment, as I mentioned multiple times, you've got this background in cybersecurity and IT, and then you think about where we're at in the general public these days, where people are, as I mentioned earlier, and I think you want to know better than anyone, who are really stressed and got concerns about privacy and security. How do you think messaging apps, or more specifically Sunbird, if you want to address it that way, are going to evolve to basically protect users' data and comms? Because it's clearly a concern. Maybe that one of these guys is pasted up on your wall right now, clearly top of mind for people. 
my background being in cybersecurity and compliance, you understand that there's privacy acts in almost every single state now protecting consumers. The most common privacy act for laymen, I guess I would say, is HIPAA you know, the Healthcare Privacy Act. And then after that, GDPR in Europe, you know, the European Union's Privacy Act, it's called the yeah. GDPR. California has CCPA and New York has the SHIELD Act. The list goes on. There's privacy acts everywhere. Privacy, it's important because I think it's sort of like a pendulum. Everything got opened up so much and people are being fed so much and there's so much scrutiny there. We're talking to our devices in our homes and they're listening all the time. You know, it's really scary. You know, I, I have a Google home set up because I want to be able to turn the lights on or the blinds or whatever. Yeah. And it's a little weird and it's a little scary that the mic's always on. Right. So little things like that, I think have made a pendulum come back into privacy. The inventors 20 plus years in FinTech, we learned about how terrible, by the way, if you don't store data, then you can't get hacked. You know, you can't have these compliance issues, privacy issues, GDPR issues. Right. If you're not storing the data. So for us, we didn't want to be in the storing data space, the selling data space. We just wanted to do the impossible as it relates mm -hmm. to messaging. Right. Yeah. I never had an iPhone. So I know that yeah. being in and out. You, and ne you, ne ne you never went down the iPhone rabbit hole even once. No, no. I had a Samsung. So fair enough. Yeah. I'm an old man. I had like a Blackberry or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You know, <laughs> went well. straight, straight from there to Android. Your yeah, I did. I did. I love the ecosystem. <laughs> I did. I have my Pixel Buds. I, I have my Android watch, you know, I, I love this stuff. So I've been drinking that Kool-Aid for a while and we wanted to solve that thing. But anyway, I'm going on a tangent now. Look, the people are speaking, right? Like everyone's speaking. I want a private app. How do I know that? Because people are flocking instead of flying whatever we want to use. It's a signal, yeah. right? There is a distrust in some of these other bigger companies. There is a distrust in data. So we're not going to play that game. We yeah. don't want to play that game. When I jump subjects, you come across as a really personable, excited, passionate guy. Sometimes when you talk to a lot of people that come from the technology world, they don't necessarily project in that way. Tell me how you have tried to bring maybe some of the human element or the cultural aspect to building the businesses that you're involved in. I'd love to hear about how sure. you approach things as a leader. Yeah. And thank you. I appreciate it. So I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. I thought I was going to be a basketball coach. That was kind of my dream was to coach the Knicks. I'm a big Knicks fan. I can admit I'm a Knicks fan now. It's been about 15 years. Okay. Safe space. Safe space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're doing okay right now. We're in the fifth seed. You know, it's going better than it's gone in 20 years or something. You know, I really wanted to be a coach. And I was in sales for an IT company. The long story short, I was on CBS Sports and Newsday for some blogging. You know, now everyone in their grandmothers has a blog. What was it, 15 years ago? There was only a couple basketball blogs and I had one. And it was all about kind of the coaching aspect. And I always wanted to be a coach. And when things were going kind of south where I was working, it was like, you know what? I can be a coach as being a business owner. I can maximize strengths. I can minimize weaknesses. And I can get the most out of my players. And that's really meaningful to me. And then frankly, joining... You know, entrepreneur peer groups like Vistage and EHO, Entrepreneurs Organization, just totally invaluable in terms of growing as working on the business, not in the business. And the common denominator between all of this was having great culture. Yeah. You know, employee retention is so important. Productivity is so important. We measure employee satisfaction, a monthly survey. You know, everyone measures customer satisfaction, but we measure employee satisfaction. Awesome. You know, the core values are on the wall. They're always preached about. They're always alluded to, we hire on core values, we fire on core values. So 
you know, we're drinking all that Kool-Aid. You know, I've done the Tony Robbins stuff and I've done all these seminars. So we know that to grow as people, we need to have a good culture. That's how this non-IT guy started making tech companies. As far as you started to explain that you wanted to be a coach, my instantaneous reaction was, what a perfect background for a CEO, actually. Because, I mean, <laughs> if being a CEO isn't being a coach, you know, I don't know what is, right? It, like, X's and O's, like, too. Like, X's yeah. and O's also, right? Yeah. You know, the right people, exactly. right people, right seats, X's and O's, you know, the structure of the business, who does what by when, accountability, right? Out of interest, you know, if someone is a, is a real rainmaker for you guys and was really, really producing big numbers, how much tolerance do you have for them pushing against your core values? Oh, no tolerance. I used to work for someone who was just, you know, pretty bad guy, always making everyone cry all the time, honestly. And we just couldn't keep anybody. And we had brilliant people. Yeah. And there's no sales that make up for that. You know, there's I just no your, sales. You can't I just want to hear you say it. Yeah. Good advice for anyone listening or watching right now. Like, I think Danny and I have both been, I get the vibe, we've both been through this. And it's like, none of these people are worth it. Well, we get the same advice from our barber, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is the haircuts of two guys who've been through some high-performing people. They're like, oh, I really don't want to get rid of this person. But it's like, they are, they are poison for your company. And mm -hmm. it's never worth it. Even if you take some short-term pain, you just got to do it. Yeah, it's hard to take that one step back for the two steps forward. We've had incredible engineers, salespeople, et cetera. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's a virus. Right. In an organization, those are viruses and organizations and viruses spread. So, you know, we have to try to get rid of those viruses as soon as possible to, before the spread goes too far and you can't. Right. Yeah. Here, here. So let's change subjects a little bit. So one of the things that I love to talk about in general is just what the future of technology looks like. Obviously that helped bring on the great guests like you, but there's lots of other texts that we are spend time talking about on the show, whether we're talking about things or virtual assistants or certainly a lot lately with, you know, artificial intelligence worth noting. I went down the chat, you know, GPT models for a general model for last night. And that was my own little rabbit hole. But I love you. There's so many new emerging technologies coming out right now. Yeah. From your standpoint, what do you expect messaging apps? Like, how do you think messaging apps are going to basically evolve, let's say, over the next five years by potentially starting to integrate a lot of new emerging techs are out there? I'm not going to make you give away your product roadmap, but I'm interested to see what you think, what the future of the industry might look like. As yeah, well, there's a couple of things that you alluded to that are already solved in testing yeah. at Sunbird, yeah. and we have so much install. I mean, our focus is to get someone installing Sunbird and it working, I mean, we're in alpha a hundred percent of the time, right? Like we're early, but as far as roadmap goes, a lot of things you talked about, you know, some of it's already done in testing in terms of taking things to the next level, in terms of artificial intelligence, in terms of centralization of messaging, maybe decentralization in other areas, right? Like right now, people are spending 4.2 hours a day in their messaging apps. Right? Like switching between them, et cetera. That's a stat from Statistica or something. And to spend all that wasted time going in and out of all of them instead of having them in all one place, honestly, it's kind of rudimentary. So we want to solve that issue right now. And then in our roadmap, we do have solving, innovating. So one of our core values is all about, you know, the impossible. It was impossible to do what we did until it wasn't. 
There's a couple other things that we have in store that I'm not ready to talk about that were called impossible that we already solved. And so, you know, we just want to keep doing the impossible on site. Yeah, there's things that not impossible, but now it's like more of a question of should we do these things? Uh, this idea is a full 10 seconds old. So this is what I get for real time brainstorming on your ship. Right. But, you know, you start thinking about concepts like predictive text, right? So yeah. that's something in messaging, you know, hey, I can kind of figure out what the next word might be or what right. word you're trying to type now. And that's useful. It lets you get messages out faster. Then you start looking at the news I've caught in the last couple of days was around how Google's about to start integrating, you know, effectively like AI enhanced messaging, messaging drafts and Gmail summaries and Google slides and Google sure. docs. Things like yeah. That. I've been using a lot of that already. Yeah. 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 Pretty wild stuff. And so if predictive text with like finishing a word, is there a time where a message comes in on messenger, like entire statements are there that you can just click on so you don't have to type anything. At what point does it become like a speed enhancement? And what point is it like, well, this probably isn't exactly what I would have said, but I just don't feel like typing it. So I'm just going to yeah, go with is whatever it you or is it the bot, right? Is am there, I talking to you or am I talking the fine-tuned version of you? What's your kind of reaction to that kind of thinking out of interest? I don't know. Challenge. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not smart enough. Maybe the engineers on the team were a hundred times yeah, smart. It's, it's not even an ethical question. It's a really weird war that we're in right now. Ready Player One comes to mind, right? Yeah. yeah. Certainly, certainly Ready Player One comes to mind where this is all going virtual at some point. We have a very, very technical CMO and I was playing with his Quest Pro the other day and just what's going on in there with the cameras on the front and your, it tracks your hands. I thought you needed to... <laughs> See, this is a little old school, right? So I thought you needed to hold controllers with yeah, virtual old, reality. Old now you don't even need controllers anymore. It's just yeah, it is. Your hands hands. Just I'm playing with that. I got another one go. right yeah, over yeah. there. So, yeah. you know, I think it's so wild. Oh, I wish like, I had time to play with those. Integrating oh AI into <laughs> everything is that I have this terrible feeling that it's like, if you don't do it, you get trounced by the competition. But at the same time, like but you do it, it, you're losing authenticity. Yeah. You're like, we're accelerating ourselves into some kind of weird future. I'm not sure I'm super excited about it's a competitive advantage, but it's a tricky space. You know, um, there's a place for authenticity and vulnerability. I can't predict the future. Bell bottoms are back. I don't know yeah, if you noticed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden like bell bottoms are literally like my wife is buying bell bottoms, you know? I have this really cool pair of uh, like vintage trousers that were actually my dad's. They're little bell bottomy, like 70s disco pants. And I love them. Every once in a while they come back in the fashion and I can pull them out again and I put them back. It falls in wait another 15 years. Because they're so vintage, so cool. Like this will yeah. come back. I think being real, keeping it real, whatever you want to call it, I think it'll come back. There's always that pushback, right? It's like we get super excited about a tech and then we kind of go too far and then there's this course correction. So speaking of... Well, it's either that or Skynet, right? I mean, it's either that or Skynet. I mean, we could go straight to Skynet or the Matrix. I was reading an article the other day where someone was basically talking about kind of the details of the report from like the latest chat GPT model that was released. And like one of the big things was in there was they're talking about how they were testing if it could escape and if it was capable of self-replicating. And that was like one of the big tests that they were doing. But it's kind of wild when you think about the fact that they're actually really having to think about this stuff because it sounds 
really like Skynet. I mean, almost I every to... single one of those movies starts with that premise. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? So I want to jump a subject. We talked about quite a bit the escaping of a Skynet-esque AI, or maybe a little more simply put, just a moment that goes horribly wrong. I have to ask my O-Ship question. So oh, sure. I know you know about O-Ship because you tune into the show. But for those of you who have never watched O-Ship before, this is a central premise of the show. I love to get guys like Danny who've had an you know, incredible run and a great success story. And, and frankly, it feels like just on some levels, even the beginning of that success story. But go, look, tell me about a moment where the ship hit the fan and how you dealt with that and how it impacted you. Maybe this is something that changed how you operate as a leader and influenced you as an entrepreneur. Maybe it changed your character and maybe it did none of those things. And it's just really funny, but wasn't so funny sure. when it happened. No, uh, so you can take it any direction you want to go. I would, but I would love if you would be willing to hear a great O-Ship story from you. No, and, and I'm happy to, I mentioned I'm in an entrepreneur peer group and we did a retreat where we had a coach come in and one of the exercises that we did was, you know, looking back on the O-Ship moment. When I first started my first company, Contango. I had a partner and running the business out of a studio apartment, you know, with someone else. That was- As you know, do. <laughs> it's a on a guess, right? So we're in a studio apartment and, you know, running business out of there. He's the only one that I would let in there. We had a bunch of subcontractors trying to do IT support very, very early on. Don't get me started in that. And then I was doing the dishes and we were playing the Wii, you know, the Nintendo Wii, I remember. And my then partner was like, you know what? I don't really want to do this anymore. And I was like- well, shut off the Wii. I mean, you know, like, let's do something different. What do you want to do? And he was like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't really want to do Contango anymore, right? And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? And I was like, can I sit down? I'm like, what are you talking about, right? So, and he was like, I don't really want to do it anymore. And, you know. I guess he said it worked it up with you over text, which would have been something more awkward than over Wii, apparently. Yeah, and yeah. And when he said I don't want to do this anymore, I swear, I was like, I, I, we don't have to play the Wii. I could do something different, right? We were playing Frisbee. I guess I was winning. I don't know. So that was really hard. And I remember being honest, I remember crying in the bathroom, like making sure no one can see me multiple times, just being like, I cannot believe I have to go get a job. I was the outside guy, he was the inside guy. And so he was kind of like running operations for this tiny little company, but I was trying to do sales and I was very upset. But what I was gonna whisper to that person back then was, this is still gonna be epic. You know, this is still going to be epic and you're going to figure it out. And, you know, wound up having an amazing business partner instead, who was more the right fit and technical for that business, wound up being able to execute quicker without having almost a 50-50 partner at that time was kind of holding me back a little bit. I didn't realize it. It was the driving force to get our first physical office instead of running out of the apartment, <laughs> which drove me more. And I needed to, and then hiring someone to do operations who did better. At the time, it was just, I cannot believe I failed. And I cannot believe I'm about to tell everyone, yeah, that thing didn't work. Do you need a sales guy? You know? <laughs> but it didn't turn out that way. What do you think the lesson is there is ultimately about when it hits I you? Think the lesson is you persevere. Honestly, the lesson is in my mind, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And every time something happens that I'm like, oh, oh shit. Every oh shit moment, you know, is like, why is this happening for me? I immediately try to go to that thought. 
you know, why is this happening for me? It's not happening to me. And there's been a lot of those, a lot. So I don't I know if we have another hour or more of shit moments, but a lot of times when I have to change the focus and what are the God, the force, whatever you want to call it, what are the stars aligned trying to tell me right now and why this is important for my growth and important for me and the people around. That is a great story. And I love that. It's got a succinct message. I think anyone can identify with. I do want to take this moment to kind of say, look, I thank you for your time. This was a really fun episode for me. I hope it was a fun episode for our audience. How do people find out more about you and, and how do they find out more about potentially your company? I'm on LinkedIn. So Danny Mizrahi Sunbird, put it in LinkedIn. I'm sure it'll come right up. As far as the company, you know, you could put the word Sunbird in Google now. It comes up pretty quickly. Hey, um, you know, you you're, know, you're legit now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then sunbirdapp.com is the website. That's where also, if you're an Android user, get on the wait list, you'll get the app sooner than the other people that are going to join on the wait list after you. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But, you know, LinkedIn and the website, you know, we're around. We're having a lot of fun here. So, you know, more people on the journey, the better. That's awesome. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate you extending thank you for having me so much. With you. So thank you again for everyone that's been tuning in and listening. If you want to subscribe to the show, go to oshipshow.com. You will see links to all the different places we stream on video and all the different places we stream on audio. If you're more of a listener type, I love to watch, but for those of you who want to tune in while you're in your car or taking a jog or whatever it is you're doing, there's some, we've got a great and growing audio podcast. Or you can actually just click, uh, shoot the, the QR code in the upper left. I, I see it right here. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they'll drive you straight to shipshare.com and we can help you sign up there. Danny, thank you again for your time. Oh, I really enjoyed it. And everyone else, thanks for tuning in. Keep supporting the show. And we'll see you next week on their ship. Thank you.